thought you knew, but you have no idea. It's the Urban Sports Scene. You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Wole, Ray Jeezy, and Will T. Part of Sports Journey. Check it up. Check us out at sportsjourney.com. You you can find all kinds of sports content for your DMV sports teams. Let me uh track pack uh patch in the fellas real quick. What's going What's going on, Ray Jeezy, Will T? What's good? Good evening. How you doing? I'm good. good evening. How you doing, man? Good, man. First off, happy birthday, Larry Bird, man. It's the great Larry Bird, great Larry Bird's birthday. So, shout out to Larry Bird, man. Happy birthday. He's probably not listening to the show, but Larry Bird was that dude. He was a, he was a bona fide G. So I like to get credit to one of the all time greats. Feel like that that's a dude that's so underrated in basketball. As folks get older, you know, the list kind of adds on. Folks are like, "Who's Larry Bird? So and so is better than Larry Bird." But you forget how mean that dude was. Larry Bird? Underrated? Yeah. You think so? I think so. You know, people, like, even before LeBron, forget, for instance, before LeBron got to this point in his career, um, just say, like, maybe five, six years ago, you know, a lot of people still had, they had, like, LeBron better than Bird. If you look at, you know, what he did in the 80s and how he balled out, man, not a lot of people, I mean, LeBron really shouldn't have even been over Larry Bird at that particular point in time. Hmm. Okay, I see you representing <laughs> your era. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, you... I, I think it's I think it's just that it's just that time has passed, and it's so many great players today, um, including Kobe Bryant. That yeah. we just don't talk about Larry Bird as much, but he's definitely still relevant in terms of the basketball discussion historically. Mm-hmm. It's just right now, it's about KD, it's about LeBron, it's about Anthony Davis, it's about Jackson. Zion, it's mm-hmm. about. Russ, James Harden. It's about the young guys today and the future. You know, we're not talking as much about the past. Like, peripheral, it's even worse for guys like Wilt. They don't come up nowhere near as much. And then with the big man position changing, mm-hmm. it just is a sign that the game has evolved. That's all. Oh, definitely. No disrespect to Larry Bird, but I appreciate you shouting him out. I you got to, you, man. You were like a Larry Bird type player, I, you know, one dribble shooter type guy. Oh, man, this dude here. <laughs> <laughs> I think of myself more as a Reggie, okay. oh, an antagonist, more of a Reggie Miller antagonist. That's what I would, you know, in my younger days. Oh, wow. That's what I would kind of, you know, I kind of vibe. I vibe Reggie. That was like my dude growing up. I mean, other than Magic, everybody knows I'm a big Magic fan. But when I started, when I, it's funny when I saw Reggie play with the um, play against the Knicks in that playoff series, I was like, "That's I got a big." And I mean, I'm rooting for Patrick Ewing, but just watching how Reggie was like going at him, going at the, the whole Knicks squad, and then going at Spike, I was like, "Yeah, this dude is the type of the type of dude I can hang with. Like this type of dude I, I aspire to be as a shooter." When I thought I was a, a big time shooter, but yeah, it'd be more Reggie Bird. I mean, Remy Reggie Miller. All right, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Yeah, we were supposed to have uh, NBA reporter Troy Holliburton on the show, but we're going to do this our, our own. Um, the topic was the topic is. Uh, um, about the Washington Wizards trading John Wall to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook. At 8.20, we'll talk about the Washington football team defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers 23-17 and their upcoming game against the San Francisco 49ers. Finally, we'll have 
Myron, Myron Magnus of Boxing I mean Logics United on the show to chat about Earl Spence Jr. defeating Danny Garcia to retain the IBF and WBC uh, championship belts. Uh, but first, the Washington, I mean, last, last, last week, the Washington Wizards traded point guard John Wall and a future first, a, a future, a future protected first round pick to the Houston Rockets for point guard Russell Westbrook. I'll start with you, Ray. What were your thoughts on the trade? I know you, you were excited initially, but what were your thoughts on when they all went down? I just want to ask real quick. Did we talk about this last week or we didn't? No, we didn't. We talked about it. We the, didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about the trade. We talked about the potential. That, the, before, the week before, we talked about the potential of the trade. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out what day the trade was made official. I, I'm, I'm trying to reflect on <laughs> the timeline. It was last, it was last week after our show. It was last week after the show. Okay, it was uh, after our show. Yeah, okay. it was on. I want to say December 2nd. What's December 2nd? It's a Wednesday, right? December second is a Wednesday. It happened Wednesday, I believe. Yeah, it was December second. Yeah, it was Wednesday. It was December second. Okay, sweet. Okay, so of course I was excited. I'm, I'm a John Wall fan, and I'm not gonna say I was happy to see him go. I was more excited to see Russ come to DC. I just love the passion he plays with. Well, they, we've known each other for a long time. You know the type of guys that I like to play with, and the type of guys that I root for. The mm-hmm. joke him know was the Draymond Green up until recently. The guy, uh, Patrick Beverly, guys who they they always bring that intensity. They sometimes get under opponent's skin. You know they want to win, and you know they're going to get their best effort in terms of health and and in terms of, of I want to say longevity for this franchise. I feel like adding Russ is a great piece along with the younger pieces. You just drafted Denny, and you have Rui. You're, you're hoping to keep Brad. I think Russ is a is a great piece in order to build on. For your franchise, will he? Um, I'm not as nearly excited as everyone. A lot of the people in the DMV area are. Um, you know, um, I'm sad to see John Wall leave because I know, you know, one because of the player he was on the court, but also the things he did in the community. Um, those things, you know, his um, the role he played within the community and this charitable deed um, is something that didn't get highlighted enough, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, as people formed a uh, opinion of John Wall, of the man and the player. But so I'll be sad to see him go. Um, one of the things I was looking forward to seeing how he rebounded um, off of the heel injury, right? You know, he hasn't been in, he hasn't played an NBA game in, in nearly two seasons. Um, it would, to me, it was going to be interesting to see. You know, not only would he have the um, that athleticism that he possessed, um, which made him one of the top uh, point guards in the league, but I wanted to see how his game developed from a um, a skill standpoint, specifically his jump shot, mm-hmm. his mid range jump shot, and his three and his and um his three, three point shooting. Because mm-hmm. we all know, yeah, of um, super athletic guards in the NBA, how you know they how they become injured and then how they had to augment their game. And most of them, for the most part, the great ones, they definitely become better outside shooters. And that's something I thought that John Wall would definitely have uh, been for DC if he was going to be a part of the team. But mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, um, I'm interested to see how the whole Russell Westbrook dynamic plays out. 
with him in that locker room because clearly Tommy Shepard and Ted Leonsis, they've made it a point to say this is Bradley Bill's team. And just, you know, knowing Russell Westbrook's personality on the court, I've never known for him to go to a team and him to want to be a 1B type of player. He always has that alpha mentality where mm-hmm. it's his team. So interested to see how him and Bill play together. And um, Russell Westbrook, he doesn't get – also, Russell Westbrook doesn't get enough attention for the man that he is off the court also, yeah. which is a, a man of the community, a man of the people, and a man who tries to um, ch- to, to you know change the communities that he's in for the positive. So very interested to see how his uh, next three years plays mm-hmm. out in D.C. No, I think both both individuals and and you you stated it will both individuals did I mean has have done a lot for you know their communities the teams that they played for and in, in within those cities and also you know within their own neighborhoods right so both individuals I think have done a lot within their you know in terms of reaching out to the community being entrenched in the community and kind of you know doing good and doing you know charitable acts um in terms of like basketball I think it, this could be good for both for both individuals I think John Wall need to change the scenery. And also, Russ, you know, being in Houston, to me, you saw, you saw, you know, I want to say somebody who lost a little bit of confidence within that Dan Tony system. Because again, like, you know, when we seen Russ in OKC, um, in OKC, the way he played ball, it, it, there, there was no hesitation in this, in this game. In Houston, there was a lot of hesitation. If you watched him in the postseason, you saw, you know, people leaving him wide open. He would hesitate to shoot the three. Well, if you know Russ, Russ's game, he doesn't care about you. If you say he can't shoot a three or whatnot, he'll take the shot if he's open. That's just how he is. You know, or, you know, the, the Russ that is going from end to end and pulling up at that, that free throw, that, that foul line, you know, hit, shooting that shot. You know, you didn't see that in Houston, but you, you'll get a chance to see that. In, in DC because he's with a familiar coach and Scott Brooks. It's all for me to me. It's all about if you're getting the rust with confidence. If you get the rust with confidence, um, you getting you're getting arguably one of the best basketball players in the game. Um, the the, the argument is that how the, how does that work with Riley Bill? To and to Will's point, yo, if you're not going to defer to to Kevin Durant, you're not deferring to to to, to Bradley Bill. Um, it is it is what it is. And it, and to be honest with you, if you are the same rust. If you're the same Russ that's getting the triple double, then you're just the best player on the team easily because you're if you're that Russ. So it's all about how you know Bill meshes with Russ. If Russ is Russ, right? If Russ is that guy, and it's not stepping on any toes. You, Russ is still the point guard. It's not like saying that you know Russ isn't you know Russ is trying to take over the team. It's not that. It's that. It's just that if he's at that level, he's better than most players. Period. And, and that's not a knock. It's all about. How Bradley Bill's ego will be if Russ is that guy. Now, if Russ is a little is a shell of himself, not a, like in terms of not at that level, then yeah, it can pretty. Then it, it, maybe Bradley Bill can you know look in the situation and be like, all right, still my team. But we, I think we both we all can admit if Russ is triple double Russ, it's his team. So you brought up a, 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 a interesting point, right? You said if Russ is triple double Russ, right? Mm-hmm. When Russ was triple double, Russ, he's you know he he that that team was what a barely over five hundred team if I'm not mistaken. Oh, uh, they were a postseason team, I believe. They made the postseason. They were post-season in the West too, team, though. But, but in the West, I mean, though, they weren't too. a great. But in the West too, though. In, like, in the West, but they weren't a great. They weren't a great team. Mm-hmm. And so my question for you is: 
if you're building this, if you say this is Brad, Bradley Bill's team, mm-hmm. and this is a relatively young team, yeah. do you think Russell Westbrook stunts the growth of the players on this on this roster, for one? And two, do you think you have the right makeup of players to put around Russell Westbrook? I think you can. I think Russell, you know, players like, I think Rui Hachimura will be good with Russ. I mean, if they, and again, I think Rui can be effective with Russ. Just depending on what Bre- what Scott Brooks does, to be real with you, um, I do think Thomas Bryant Thomas Bryant can be effective. I think uh, Bertans can be effective with Russ because Russ going to the basket opens up lanes for Bertans, you know, for a kickout. And I mean, Russ passes the ball. It's not like he's selfish. Um, he passes the ball. He's a triple double dude. So I'm I'm not saying he's the point guard like the point the the point guard general like the John Wall is the way I look view John Wall. Um, but I do think Russ is he's a he's a good point guard. He's not a bad point guard. He's a good point guard. So you do have th- you have players that will help Russ get to the basket more because the lanes will be open because you do have a knockdown shooter in Bretons. Um, and you you can put up put other ind- individuals in the lineup that shoot well. You got Bretons. You got obviously Bradley Bill who can shoot the basketball. And Bradley Bill when when he was playing with John Wall before he you know started having handles and Pat you know he moved well without the basketball. So it's some things that you can do with Russ. Um, with with the combination of Russ, Bill, and Bertans, it's just it's dependent on how are you going to give Bradley Bill that many more. I mean, when they're both on the court, how much ISO packages will you give Bradley Bill when you have Russ, a guy who is more of a playmaker than even Bradley Bill? Like he will get people more involved than Bill. So are you how are you how are you doing that with those two on the court? Are you saying Russ, you're going to run the offense? And, you know, Bradley Bill just will play off the ball for, I mean, most of the time, not to say all the time, but for most of the time, or will you do a 50-50 thing? And then that kind of gets awkward too, right? Because it's like your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. I'm glad you mentioned Scott Brooks because ultimately that's what it comes down to. Scott Brooks is going to have to make decisions. He's going to have to draw plays. At times, the, the, the Wizards just play too much ISO or they uh, they depended too much on one guy. And, of course, that guy was Brad last year, which he, he welcomed that, but yeah. it didn't result and success. But to answer your previous question, what are the two glaring weaknesses on the Wizards team? It was defense mm-hmm. and rebounding. And I feel as though Russ helps you and he's an upgrade in both of those areas. And that's the most important thing. Hopefully scoring won't be the problem for Washington coming up this season. It shouldn't be. Scoring has never been an issue. It's just been stopping people and preventing second second opportunities for teams. And in the Eastern Conference, who's the best point guard? Mm-hmm. Is it Ben Simmons? Who, who's the best point guard in the East? You gotta, you gotta put Russ in that discussion off the jump. You have to. Uh, you probably, I mean, depending on who you talk to, um. Kyrie? Yeah, you know folks, that's how folks would, that's what folks would say. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely it's Russ. I mean, I, again, it, it, we're talking about, it gets the argument of which Russ are we getting. You're not gonna say Kyle Lauer, Lauer anyway, but, <laughs> um, it depends what Russ you get. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the thing. Are we get, if we're getting the real Russ, and I think we should get that. I mean, to be honest with you, barring injury, I think again, you know, it's nothing. It's nothing like going to a familiar face to a person who believes in you and believes in what you do, right? Scott Brooks believes in what Russ does. Um, Dan Tony believes in shooting threes, and that's what it is. You know what I mean? And Russ is a decent three point shooter if you if he's playing the right way. Um, historically, other than the last year was kind of like his worst shooting year, um, but. Historically, Russ has been an okay three-point shooter. Not the best, but an okay three-point shooter. Uh, but what he can do with Scott Brooks, and Scott Brooks allows him to be him within the offense, it's like he doesn't have to. Russ doesn't have to shoot threes. He doesn't have to. 
he doesn't like you know he doesn't he can play his way he can play his way rebounding pushing up the court pull up for a mid-range if he has to shoot a three he can shoot a three so russ has all that in the bag with sky brooks so it just depends if you, you get that russ and on the flip side with wall and going to houston i think that's a good situation for him too barring if james harden wants to stay there if james harden stays in houston that's a good move for john wall um he's he's, he's back with boogie cousins um so they have a they have a team where you know what if he's on that roster you know there's things that he can do to help you know to make to get to get that post that team to the postseason because with if Harden Harden decides to stay with the Rockets Harden alone for, for years in Houston even before he before he got a player like Chris Paul um Harden was getting that team to Western Conference Finals well, so you get you get John Wall with that with him you know you got some things you can do with John Wall in Houston and postseason success I'll say this. Um, if I'm John Wall um, and James Harden is still there, I'm renting and not buying. Mm. Because if you think about um, just who the players that the Houston Rockets management has brought in for, um, or star players or superstar players that they brought in for James Harden, it just hasn't worked out. Mm. You know, think of Dwight Howard. Then we go to Chris Paul, Carmelo, now Russell Westbrook. For some reason, it just doesn't work out. I'm not saying it's James Harden. All I can say is there's one consistent figure there mm. as the figurehead of that organization who I'm pretty sure has some who's informed about management's decisions. I'm pretty sure that was the case with Daryl Moore. Mm. So if I'm John Wall, I'm renting, not buying, unless Houston plans on shipping James Harden out of there. Well, we'll see, man. Season's about to start soon. That's the most exciting thing. All right, watch the Washington football team shocked the NFL world yesterday. We'll talk about their upset victory over the over the Steelers and their upcoming game against the 49ers after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Team. The ages. You dig? Deuces. Listening to all, excuse me, listening to the Urban Sports Scene. <laughs> well, Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself. Hey, we're also on Sports Journey. Check us out at sportsjourney.com. All right. Yesterday, the Washington football team landed the upset, uh, defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers 23 uh, 17. Thoughts on the game? Let's start with Will T. Um, it was the type of game Washington 
had to play to beat Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. meaning that it was a low scoring a low scoring game where Washington pretty much made Pittsburgh one dimensional, where they had to pass the ball and and within you know that passing game they had to use a lot mm-hmm. of short passes. Um, ben Roethlisberger getting the ball out of his hands quick. Um, a couple things I I saw that I liked um, from Washington from the Washington football team was you know continuing to spread the ball around, you know, util, utilizing J.D. McKissick, um, Logan Thomas, and Cam Sims in the run in, in the passing game. Um, one thing that I didn't really like was the lack of run game once Antonio Gibson went out. Of, and, you know, it's going to be concerning. It's, it's a concern to me, you know, how this team will go forward without, you know, Antonio Gibson because we really – just to me, in my opinion, it doesn't look like this team has a viable replacement for him. Peyton Barber looks like a short yardage back. Mm-hmm. J.D. McKissick looks like more of a receiving threat out of the backfield or, um, you know, out of the slot. So it'll be interesting to see how this team continues to go forward. Um, an impressive win, nevertheless, and especially impressive with them not utilizing uh, Terry McLaurin as much in the passing game yeah. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Ray? This is the biggest win for this franchise since Thanksgiving 2012, in my opinion. Mm. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers were the last undefeated team. This is a primetime game. And your defense is starting to show continuity. They're starting to to show the, 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 the handprints and the imprints of your new coaching staff, which is what we all been looking forward to. Last week, Wole, on both shows, that's what you preach. I want to see this defense put on a performance that shows they're one of the top defenses in the league. The number says they are one of the top defenses in the league, and that performance showed they are. They didn't even, did, they get a, did they record a sack yesterday? No, they didn't. No, if I'm not mistaken. No. Mm-mm. Did they? No, no, they didn't. However, however, just like Dallas, they pressured Ben. They made him uncomfortable. They had batted down balls, and you got that all-important turnover at the end. So this defense, to me, stepped up, and they're ready for the challenge. We talk about teams that are in front of – or the teams that are left remaining on the schedule. Nobody should put fear in your heart at this point when you have that defense. Now Alex Smith can thrive with this team knowing he has a, a defense that can stop an opponent and it can contain an opponent and actually turn an opponent over too. And it's going to give you shorter fields. It's going to give you opportunities to win, and this team should be confident closing out the season. And I felt very confident uh, with this team going into Pittsburgh because I saw <laughs> something with Pittsburgh. I saw all season they were vulnerable. Now, I know the critics will say, well, the bad teams don't know how to win, which is why they could not beat Pittsburgh, such as the mm-hmm. Giants, such as the Cowboys and the Texans. However, the fact that these teams came so close, and you got a Washington team riding a two-game win streak, I knew – I knew they had a good chance, and that's what stood out to me. Offensively, listen, Cam Sims, that 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 performance warranted a game ball, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Because mm-hmm. you talk about needing a number two guy, he showed that he's a number two guy. I tried to mention that last week. Well, they could be quickly cut me off. No, I'm talking about speed, though, and getting uh, the ball to J.D. McKissick. And, yeah, I get it. I get the screen game works. But you need a number two guy, and he showed that he's that guy. Well, you actually posted that, man. I liked it. <laughs> oh, what? About what? Was that your, impress- your impersonation of Wole? It was. 
<laughs> it was just me voicing just my frustration because he, he quickly shut me down and I tried to mention Cam Stems. And, well, and, and Will, I'm going to give you credit. It was weeks ago. You said utilize the size of Cam Stems. You said utilize the weapons that you have. You, you and I said that. I'm going to give you credit because I remember distinctly you talking about how big he is and how the, this offense can definitely utilize that size. And it showed. And Ray Ray mentioned game ball. Uh, tweeted that actually, I tweeted that out um, on Twitter. Adam Mir uh, responded, "The team, uh, pure team win. Logan Logan uh, Thomas Sims uh, stepped up for seven for seventeen, being uh, locked down. JD JD for Gibson Smith didn't make mistakes. O line held on. D line came to play. That, that well, damn near damn near everything. Uh, D back." Uh, uh, D back linebackers tackled pretty well. <laughs> Hopkins didn't miss didn't miss a kick. Way still a weapon, and the game plan was good. Um, Adam on Twitter said a, collect, a collective effort by all. Have to give it to the D line for buckling down in the second half and showing their top 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 showing their top five ranking isn't just box score stuffers. We've seen multiple goal line stands and fourth down st- stops over the last three games, which hasn't happened had, which hasn't been since. Since in the Snyder era, um, yeah, I, I think Camp Sims. To me, Camp Sims deserves the uh, game ball. Uh, he made a lot of catch. I mean, he made some big catches, especially uh, catches after um, after contact uh, after contact yak, yak yards. Um, I thought he was a, he was very effective. He he got him out of you know poor down situations. Um, you know, being deep in their own territory in terms of having big catches and make breaking them out for big plays. Um, he definitely showed out. Cam Sims deserves a lot of credit. Um, I'm not going to make any arguments about him being a secondary wide receiver because I do think that, you know, when you make plays like that, you, you play hard, you break tackles. That shows that shows not just an element of talent, but that shows an element of want and there's a desire, passion. You know, Ray talks about it, you know, playing with that that dog, playing with that passion, playing with that drive. Like Cam Sims showed it. He seemed like a dude that had been cut and just doesn't want to be cut again. And he wants to be in his league for the long, for a long period of time. And you just, you respect things. You respect players like that. Um, and I mentioned this about the defense, the defense and will we've talked about before, like you, this va- vaunted, uh, pass rush or whatever you want to call this defense is supposed to be the, 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 the signal call for this, for this team. And for a while, for this most of the season, they only did this against bad teams. We do it against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where everybody can admit that they got nothing but weapons on the outside and in terms of wide receivers. Their running game is like it's a little meh, but you still got weapons, you know, everywhere. Tight end and Ebron, you got about four, three to four wide receivers that can pretty much start in combination some on other teams. And you got a big Ben, a Hall of Famer, and you were able to pretty much limit that team to only three points in the second half after they scored fourteen. So it just shows you, like, all right, now this defense has turned the corner. We They went from beating, like I said, beating a bad team the way it's supposed to be the bad team to beating, now competing with a good team and beating a good team. Now I can say, like, yeah, Del Rio's program, I mean the Del Rio, excuse me, um, excuse me, uh, Rivera's program is working. Like, what he stated, that what he wants to do with this culture is working. Now, now folks can now talk about, okay, maybe this team is a, a good team or a decent team rather than going with the route of saying, uh, we, you know, this team is already good. Now they're in a position where we can say, you know what, they beat a good team. Over the last three weeks, they have been a good team. Put this way, over the last three weeks, they've been a good team. Guys, I've been talking about the playoffs all season, and I know, Wole, you haven't liked to talk about it. However, it's worth noting that this team came from behind on the road against an undefeated team yesterday. That's the signal and indication that you're ready for the playoffs. 
Secondly, just in regards to Cam Sims, to continue to give him props. Brother, like Bradley Bill said, everybody eat. Scary Terry getting double teamed. Mm, yeah. That, that creates opportunities for you. Make the most of it, my friend. Good job. Yeah, and you know, also for Scary Terry, um, you know, it, he didn't like he had opportunities. He didn't have his best game, but it's cool to have other players step up for you when you weren't even, you know, when you weren't playing to the level that you've been playing most of the season. So, um, bi- again, big ups to like like the you know all the like all the players, even the players who stepped up, the secondary players, and Logan Thomas, man. A lot of people, like me included, was like, you know what, they need to, you know, they need to go another route. And get a tight end next season. Well, Logan Thomas is showing that, you know what, maybe they don't need to go with a tight end uh, the way he played yesterday. I think he had like 98 yards um, and a touchdown. He had a couple big plays, too. So, big up to Logan Thomas. They just won that game. So, um, hopefully they continue to continue to trend against the Niners. And uh, Washington, we're speaking of the Niners. Washington, we'll be playing the Niners next Saturday. They got a bunch of former uh, coach. They got a former coach in uh, Kyle Shanahan. Who was their offensive coordinator? They got th- they have a couple former players in Trent Williams and Jordan Reed. What is the most compelling storyline in this game to you all? And I'll start with uh, Will. Um, Kyle Shanahan angle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him going against you know um, facing this Washington football team. I believe this. No, this isn't his first time facing them. No, this is the second time. This, I think it's last year he played. He didn't like yeah, he played him last time. year. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm interested to see. You know that that's one that's one storyline. But to me, um, another interesting storyline would be the matchup between Trent Williams and Chase Young. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. Trent Williams traded this past off season to San Francisco. I want to see how he. Um, matches up against Trace Young in the trenches. I mean, yeah, Chase Young in the trenches. Um, Trent Williams hasn't played like the Trent Williams of old that we've known him to. Um, he, you know, some people say he's kind of lost a step, isn't the same dominant player. So I, I'm interested to see that matchup. Ray, Re- remember about the rim. Well, Bernie Mac's character, what do you, what do you tell Thomas Shepard? He said, you can't erase what we were. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Trent Williams' case, you can't erase what Trent Williams was in DC. I posed a question, I want to say about a year ago, will Trent Williams be in the ring of fame? Oh, yeah, he sure did. And whatever stadium the, the, the Washington football team will have moving forward. And some people couldn't answer it. Others said, that's a, that's a tough one because of how his tenure ended. But his his major beef was with Bruce Allen. He still has love, I believe, for the Burgundy and Gold. Unfortunately, with the seriousness of his health concerns last season, I understand why he had to 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 um, to he had to make a move. He had to force a, cha- uh, a change because, of course, he felt as though his life was in jeopardy, and he didn't feel as though the team really respected that. Again, from all that we that we heard, it was Bruce Allen that was his his major problems. With Bruce Allen is now gone, the team name is now changed, and I feel as though he can put that negativity behind him. So I feel as though he's the biggest storyline, just because you're going up against somebody who's so well beloved and who I believe will be inducted into you know Washington's Ring of Fame and will be a Hall of Famer as well. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the Hall of Fame inductions with guys like Daryl Green and Armand, this fan base shows so much love, and I, I will expect the same type of rally, so to speak, in front of Canton when Trent Williams goes into the Hall of Fame as a member of the Washington football team. So going back uh, up against him is, is significant. Cal Shanahan, in my opinion, was just a package deal with his pops. 
Yeah. You know, he was going to be here uh, until he either got a head coaching job or until his dad got, either got fired or resigned. And that's what happens. I don't think he bleeds Burgundy and gold the way that Trent does. And I'll, I'll put him even um, behind Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed also is someone who he played so well yeah. for the Burgundy and gold. And it's going to be an emotional time for him as well as just he's not the same guy that Trent was. Because, again, Trent was the best tackle in the league at one point. Yes. I think that's the biggest storyline going in. Although, I don't think it's going to be bad, bad blood or negativity. I don't think he's coming out with a chip on his shoulder because it's Washington. And oh, he will. It will be interesting, as Will said, to see him match up against Chase. It's going to be great. Yeah, that's it. That's, for, that's it for me, man. Like, it's just it's, it's Chase versus Trent. No, that that match that matchup is just the storyline for me. It's the most intriguing storyline. And you got a guy that, you know, still, I mean, even with, you know, the break he took is still one of the top left tackles in the game at the moment. So you get you got that individual versus Chase Young, a guy that a young boy that many people feel that he's he's one of the better defensive ends in the game, even at, at this point in time as a rookie in terms of what he does on the football field. So you have those two individuals going, you know, going at it. And you add in, you know, the pass, you know, Trent Williams was on this team and was a perennial Pro Bowl, you know, ar- you know, arguably the best left tackle for X amount of years while he was in while he was rocking the jersey. So it's a it's a vicious storyline, especially for fans. They want to see they want to see their you know want to see their own Trent give it to the dude that said he wanted to leave DC. So there's a lot of fans that way. That storyline is compelling as a competitor, and Trent is a competitor. I'm positive that he has added fuel for this game. Like he is going to want to give. This team, the business. He reads tweets. He knows what he knows what what the fans have said about him. So I'm sure Trent is like he's ready for this game. I felt that way too mm. initially, but after mulling the the possibility of him again coming back to this organization where he played so many years and was great for so many years, mm-hmm. I think there's still a lot of love in his heart. Now, of course, he's a competitor, so he's gonna go out. He's gonna want a ball, but I don't think it's Kind of like Adrian Peterson said. Adrian Peterson was upset. Oh yeah, that's different. He yeah, yeah. I don't think he like so it didn't, make, didn't make a difference. <laughs> but he's not. It's not. It's not that deep. But I respect what you're saying as well. Yeah, and then AP. Well, let me go ahead. Go ahead, Will. No, let me ask you this. Um, do you think there'll be some type of emotional high hangover from? See, that's what I think. They know, could be playing but... Monday. Yeah, playing Monday against Pittsburgh to playing um 49ers yeah i think there could be um but i will say this though you know you they beat they beat the um the cowboys and that's a right well a rival Mm -hmm. a rival on thanksgiving day and then you yeah so you say so you say yeah i mean it is what it is they felt that way that's how the team feels that way so and then they matched it they they took that and played the steelers um, I, I think they know what they, what they have to do, um, what every game means now. Coach Rivera has pretty much put it out there and he's, he's creating a culture. So like, I don't feel that they'll have a letdown, um, compared to what they were doing in the beginning of the season. I think things are starting to click now because initially I, my mindset was like, yo, like what I saw after the bye week against the Giants, that sloppy play, like you're not getting these boys ready. Now it's to a point where you see week to week that this team is competing and they're playing a certain level of football every week. You know what I mean? So they're pretty much getting to do what they want to do or and playing more um, complimentary, complimentary football. You know what I'm saying? That's like, that's their theme. That's what they want to do. So I feel like they'll be, they'll be ready for San Fran. Now, you know, 
San, well, San Fran, how will San Fran, San Fran take this game? They're going to be overly, mo- eagerly motivated after what happened to them um, on Monday night. So it's it's going to be an interesting game, man. It really is. It's going to be interesting for me because, uh, like I said, you know, um, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best offensive play callers and play designers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, he really takes advantage of um, – this, you know, this, you know, um, weaknesses within defenses, exploiting them. And so for me, it'll be interesting to see because San Francisco, uh, is a team that relies on the run so much, you know, how he'll mix that play action in, um, against Washington's defense and specifically how he, you know, will he be able to manipulate the linebackers mm-hmm. and get them to move to create those holes? And, and the defense for him to, uh, for his wide receivers and tight ends to, um, make catches and make plays. Yeah. Cal is definitely one of the smarter offensive court, well, offensive minds in the game. I'm going to read this tweet before we go to break. Uh, my man, uh, Cornbread tweeted, uh, tweeted about the game ball. He said Hopkins and Hopkins not missing field goals was huge because he's been inconsistent. All right. Earl Spence beat Danny Garcia to return, to, I mean, uh, to return to the ring. Boxing Logics United's Myron Magnus will join us to discuss this after the break. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene. The ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. Listening to the urban sports scene with Ray Jeezy, Will T, and myself, Wole, part of Sports Journey, and that's at sportsjourney.com. All right, right now we have Myron Magnus of Boxing Logic United on the line. What's up, Myron, and welcome to the urban sports scene. Peace and pugilism, Sam. Thank you for having me, brother. <laughs> my, my man, no problem, dude. <laughs> I love it, man. I love the energy. This is what I'm talking about, man. You know what I'm saying? I love the smoke, man. I love it. Hey, before we get into, you know, you know, the topic of Spence and Garcia, um, can you tell our listeners about um, Boxing Logics United? Well, man, it was, it's a channel I just kind of put together to um, counter some of the other channels that I was hearing out there that had a lot of kind of narratives and kind of imbalance and not fair to all the fighters. Mm. So I just, um, I was born in boxing. Both of my uncles boxed golden gloves. Both will go to Gloves Champions in the DMV area. 
DC oh, wow. for DC. So it was just something I always been passionate about boxing, and I just wanted to start something that'd be like raw mm-hmm. for the boxing peers, and you could say whatever you want, you know, inside the ring or outside the ring. You know, for most of the time, it still has comedic value to it. Yeah, I know. Whether it's the content on the live streams or whatever. But something just real, real raw, pure, pure, diehard of boxing talk. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Without worrying about politics. Yeah, so dude, and it's, and it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube. Yeah, but I, um, when I do the live stream, I, uh, I live stream to everywhere. So I, live, I would live stream on YouTube. Okay. Facebook, awesome. and um, Periscope all simultaneously. Awesome, awesome. Man, so f- so folks, you make sure you would subscribe to us the YouTube channel, all right? You know what I'm saying? If you support us, support my man Myron, all right? Bet that. Yeah, y'all get some good laughs, man. Some real boxing talk. I mean, oh, I know you. I've seen it, man. I love I love your content. Real talk. I love your content. All right, I, so, I know, man. I appreciate it because I we didn't, we never really spoken, but mm-hmm. I always saw you sharing, sharing, sharing. I was like, well, man, thank you. Whoever this dude is, thank you. One day we are gonna get up and talk. <laughs> oh, definitely, man. You know it, man. I know we, podcast. Yeah, man. We gotta support the area, man. That's what we do. Absolutely. You know it. All right. So last Saturday, IBF and WBC welterweight champ Earl Spence Jr. defeated Danny Garcia unanimous decision. What were your thoughts on the fight, man? I seriously, uh, I was surprised. It was a good fight. Mm-hmm. I had picked it either if Danny was going to win, I was going to pick him by an upset stoppage, mm-hmm. and if Spence was going to win, I knew it would, I knew it would be by decision. Okay. And um, I thought it was a great fight. Um, fireworks was pretty good. Of course, you know, it could be more, mm-hmm. but Danny Garcia is so economical with the way that he boxed. Now it's pretty much, it's, um, you could, he has the same thing. He does every fight, mm-hmm. and he almost kind of got the Asian Broner thing, just not as bad. Mm. Well, it seemed like he doesn't really let his hands go like he wants, and that's also because he kind of got quicksand feet a little bit. But Earl Spence did pretty good, and I was pretty um, amazed by how good he looked because I thought I would see some lingering effects. I thought I was noticing some of those things in the lead up to the fight because he was very, very much, um, a lot less mild, more mild mannered mm-hmm. in the build up leading up to the fight than I've seen in the previous fights. And, um, then taking into consideration, I, I just thought it was going to be something we was going to see, but he actually looked kind of fabulous to me. Mm-hmm. I was pretty, I was pretty shocked and I was happy for it too, as well. So how would you greatest performance? Uh, with everything taken into consideration the last 14 months, dude, um, real talk, flipping a car multiple damn times and getting ejected from the joint, <laughs> I had to give him an A, bro. Okay. I had to give him an A. I'm not saying that's the best he could do. I'm not saying that. But I just gave him an A just off the principle alone of what he went through the last 14 months with the accident and still coming back to fight Danny Garcia, which I thought was kind of disrespectful, but damn. He made a he made a shit happen. <laughs> made, I thought it was disrespectful as shit. But he made it happen. I was like, damn, for real? Everybody got no respect for Danny. And, and <laughs> I was like, well, he done pulled the shit off mm-hmm. and done it pretty pretty easy, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I mean, fortunately for him, unfortunately for Danny. Man, hey, Myra, he he did. Oh, go ahead, Will. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Ray. You got to go ahead, bro. Um, so I know, you know, 
Wale just posed a question about um, Earl Spence and Gray and his performance. But let me ask you this. Danny Garcia, who at one point was looked upon as, you know, a potential future superstar in boxing. It seems as if every time Danny Garcia steps up his level of competition, he comes up short. Just from, you know, you being uh, someone that very much loves the sport and has a deep knowledge of the sport, why do you think that when, when he steps up his level of competition, he consistently comes up short? He should have been a Marvin Hagler and probably stayed at 140. Like Marvin Hagler stayed at 160. Mm. So the success he's had at 140 has not, I mean, transferred over to the 147 division. They're, they so seem to think, be faster. Mm-hmm. They seem to be stronger. And they seem to be, you know, well, Danny has an amazing freaking chin. He could take all their punches. And he has good ability. But and he beat some monsters, Ferreira, Matisse, um, Gurera. You know what I mean? He beat uh, old, older Zad. He got a mirror out of there. You know what I'm saying? He had the talent, but it, I don't think, I think the extra weight must either be slowing him down on his feet and in his hands because he just ain't been able to hit the mark with the Thurman, with the Porter, and now for Earl Spence Jr. Mm-hmm. So what do you think um, for Danny Garcia? What, 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 what do you think is next for him? Does he, you know, does he stay at 147 or does he go back down to 140? He probably, I would think they're probably going to stay at 147. I know when he mentioned, you know, like, I guess back to the uh, drawing board in the uh, post-fight press conference, I was like, damn, that's heavy. Maybe he need to fight Kale Brook. <laughs> I think maybe just Kell Brook just lost to Crawford. <laughs> no, I'm not being serious though. Okay. I felt the same way after um, Pro Grace lost to um, Josh Taylor and Hooker lost to Ramirez. I thought them two should fight. Mm. And guess what? Right now, I, I was I was the first one to call it out. Not trying to tilt myself on back, but I'm keeping it 100. <laughs> I was the first one to say it like Regis Pro Grace and Maurice Taylor should fight. I mean, Maurice Hooker. So, and now they're supposedly doing that. Mm-hmm. So I think it could be, he still had people he could fight. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, you know, to keep it 100 with you, man, I'm thinking maybe Angel, although he has a, a wonderful ability to sell fights, Angel Garcia, his father and trainer, mm-hmm. Angel's fight got him as far as he can get him. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I don't know if it's too late for Danny Garcia to pick up new tricks. You know what I mean? Because if an old dog can learn new tricks, he can still get rich, you know, or still get another belt in this case. Mm. Maybe he need to bring in, if, you know, a maybe um assistant trainer, somebody who has excellent, great experience to maybe incorporate something new in his game or get a new different type of passion, a new different look. Because sometimes he, sometimes when you're with the same person for a long time, and that being your father, you know, things can get kind of mundane or redundant. And maybe that's what's happening with Danny, and that's what's carrying over to his fights. You know what I mean? Mm. I don't know if there's still a market for Danny at 147. I really don't. I I, I don't want to see Danny fight anybody at 147. I, I don't want to see him fight Porter again. I don't want to see him fight Thurman. I'm thinking that he would have to move up because you don't go back to 140. If you move up, you got some possible compelling, compelling fights there. You got Hurd at 154. You really? got, of course, you got Charles. Now, they're too big, though, for, for Danny. I'm just saying. Uh, my, 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 
Huh? I think he gets knocked out on one fifty four. Oh, he 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 probably does. But if you're talking about money and trying to maximize your dollar, I think that's his best bet because it's it's no he can fight Ugas <laughs> at one fifty at one forty seven. But I just I'm thinking that this might have been it for him because like Will T pointed out, he's lost all his big he's lost all his title fights. He's lost every he, single he, one of them. And I feel as though Spence surprised him with a jab in this fight. He he dominated him with it, mm. but you know, yeah, you have seen notice when Nito Dornier did right. He was up there at one twenty two, got down. demolished by Rigandau. Yeah, went down. <laughs> he passed right back down to one eighteen. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> he did. You feel me? Think he should go back to one forty? <laughs> and right now, one forty got some bubble. They got it popping. You got a hooker. You got. Um, Teofimo's about to go up there. Yeah, true. You got, I mean, Taylor, you got, if he did go down, if he could still get down to 140, by him being undefeated at 140, he got serious potential there. If he goes up, he hasn't done well at 147. I I, I feel frightened for him at 154. My bad, I might be talking to you. No, you good, bro. You good, you good. No, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to see him fight. My man, Gary Antoine. My man, Gary Antoine, looking for a big fight at Gary 140. Gary Antoine, you right yeah. at 142. Oh, that's right. That's right. He know. Man, the rough. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. That will be Danny Garcia. He's got to think Danny Garcia be scared to do that. I think I think from a pride perspective, he may not want to he may not want to go back to 140. He may try to say I already dominated that. He might also have a hard time making the weight at 140 at this point. But true, I, as you mentioned, it's some good names at 140 at this point. I forgot about Teofimo moving up, so I, yeah, we, might, man. we might have something to talk about moving forward with this. <laughs> I think so. Maybe, man. and then um, you know, they're they're gonna sometime eventually gonna have an undisputed matchup there because you got Ramirez. Who have, I believe, I don't know if he has two, and then you got Josh Taylor, who mm. got two. The two that he won for Regis, mm. if I'm not mistaken. So they're going to have an undisputed matchup there soon. <laughs> oh, no, I think, what's we call it? Got the other belt. But yeah, it's going to be so. If you're right, though, maybe if he can move down, I would go back down there. Why not? You know what I mean? Because 147 ain't showed him no love. <laughs> no sir. Hey. One forty seven he showed him no hey, he ain't got no respect in one forty seven. Oh man. And he, he, he been, but the thing is he's been in tough fights. Very tough fights. Exactly. The fight with Thurman, close mm-hmm. and tough. I thought he lost. Everybody. The one with Porter, close and tough. I thought he lost. He definitely lost Saturday. And mm-hmm. um so uh, hey Myron, he lo- he lost to Lamont too, bro. Let's keep it real. He lost oh, to Lamont. Yeah, 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 he got smashed by Lamont. <laughs> <laughs> he looked worse. He looked worse. He looked worse after Lamont really stepped this shit up and stopped p- bullshitting and playing games. The first <laughs> Lamont was. We don't know what the fuck he was doing. He was posing his shit like he was doing a foot shuffle. I thought we had. I mean. Tarballing out like electric boogaloo up in the joint. I'm like, what the fuck is Lamont doing up in that joint? He was dancing, doing moves and shit. I'm like, but then when he started buckle down and started putting up, putting them hands on that ass, man, it was like Danny went black and blue in five rounds. It was done. He got his ass was tore up by the end of that fight. Yeah, it almost got stopped. He literally almost got stopped. 
he was on wobbly legs two or three times. But like, why do you do this shit since round two? <laughs> hey, tell Angel Garcia that because he tried to say Lamar was running. But I don't want to take it back there. I love the DMV pride, though, baby. We got to hold our people down. But yeah, no, no, but no, this facts. Everybody gave that ready to Lamar. Everybody said Lamar just started doing it in the third or fourth when he started doing it like the seventh or eighth, eighth and on. He would have just mopped up Danny and got him out of there. Literally. He would have exactly. got Danny out of there. Exactly. And so we don't know. But, uh, you know, that's that dude, he's kind of a nice dude. Lamar Peterson came from humbling, humbling beginnings and all of that. And he's a good-hearted dude. You know what I mean? Sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes I question if he has really that killer, killer, killer instinct. I always thought he had a talent. Mm-hmm. But if he had that really, really killer instinct, it's really just like, want to hurt, hurt people. I've never seen that in Lamar, unfortunately. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if he had a killer instinct, but I mean, like I said, I don't want to go too far, too far in the past. Like I appreciate the love because, you know, we got to represent for, yeah. for the hometown, but yeah, you know, I, going back to Earl, because we talked a lot about Danny, Earl now looks like <laughs> Manny Pacquiao is his next opponent. I don't want to see Pacquiao fight ever again. I really didn't <laughs> want to see him fight Thurman. I thought, I thought that Thurman was going to finish him, but he didn't, of course. I told you he um, wasn't. Just like a light-skinned brother, man. He, he, he fell short. So now so now we got Earl looking, looking oh. at that fight, and, and Earl is talking a lot on Twitter, as you saw. He like, Manny's next is his chest. And he's got Terrence Crawford in his sights. It looks as though after that fight, what do you think about Arrow moving forward and who should his next opponent be? Uh, after he done looked up Danny and shit like that, it, it better be something bigger and better. I mean, um, who else do they have that the fans really want to see? We all are wanting to see him, Crawford, now. You got Bama's on, online saying, Slim, you got Bama's online saying, well, Crawford, 34, he might be washed up. I'm like, damn, Spence is 32, 33. Where he going to be at in two years? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Why not have him fight right now so we can have <laughs> yeah. a more exciting rematch? Mm. Yeah, true. Some of the money ain't always That's made fight. The rematches are where the big, big money's made. Mm. So, so here's a scenario I'm gonna give you that I think I would like to see because, unfortunately, it's inevitable that that Spence is gonna fight Pacquiao. Pacquiao, right after the fight, said, "This is who I want to fight next. He looked good. I think this is the guy I would like to mm-hmm. test my skills at uh, at this age." So, if that fight is gonna take place, I would like to see Terrence Crawford just go ahead and fight Sean Porter as kind of like a tune-up fight for the Errol Spence fight. And I think that'll that'll create the buildup. And also, that should that should also land at the time where Errol, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, um, where Terrence's, his contract should be up with top rank right after his next fight. So it might actually work out for both fighters to have one fight in between. Yeah, that's what's been, that's, and you know what, it's nothing wrong with that. And I know if they want it, it's good that Errol get Pacquiao if he can get that strap, then we have an undisputed match. And that's what most people want. And I can see that that'd be a logical move. That'd be the logical move. So I can see them that. And then um, Porter just, Porter's always in the right place at the right time. How's Porter getting all these goddamn fights, people? I was, goddamn, it's like, you know what I mean? But 
<laughs> PBC, Porter gets in there first with everybody. Mm. But Porter gets this Crawford. But Porter don't want to fight Crawford. I think it sounds nice. So Porter said, no, that's my well, friend. I, I, well, That's like my brother. I love Paul. Myron, I have a. I, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, we've seen great fighters at 140 fight great fighters at 147. Because both of these fighters are side in the top rank, what do you think of a potential Jose Ramirez versus Terrence Bud Crawford fight? Who will win? No, I'm saying just as a fight, it's something to, to get. I, I, I'm pretty sure I know that Bud Crawford will win this fight, but this is the type of fight that Bud Crawford needs to increase his to, to increase um, his maybe this pop. I'm not going to say popularity, but to create more interest for him um, within boxing. Uh, well, I think everybody who knows boxing knows definitely Bud. Um, but Ramirez, I don't know. If Ramirez want to come up and get that, he can. I think he'll get hurt. I mean, well, I don't know. I know how he dogged out. I mean, Ramirez dogged out Hooker. That was a hell of a fight for how long it lasted to seven rounds. I thought it was an excellent fight. And Mar- Hooker was banging it. But um, mm, really, Ramirez? But then, they, I mean, that could be something. But I don't, want, I don't think Crawford want to do that. Because then they already the other side, the PBC side, and their followers is already want to say they want to see Crawford fight better opposition. Yet they're not trying to volunteer the better opposition from their stable. And I don't think fighting Ramirez, who came up for one forty, then that's going to be something they're going to use to try to smear him again, blase, blase. Even though it's, even though the truth be told, the real boxing fans and everybody know, but the people, the uh, media that. The media team that Spence and the PPC have that's super strong, they are freaking relentless. And they understand volume. And they will keep pushing volume, 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 and have the majority believe, you know, I mean, whoever listened to them won that, that particular narrative. So I think, um, I don't know. I, mean, I honestly don't know. I mean, if uh, maybe he bang out Ugas. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you're right. Maybe mm-hmm. he, if they if they if the PBC wanted to give him Ugas, then they'll fight Ugas. But if Porter wants to really want to take that fight, I think that'd be great because truth be told, again, I thought, and I'm like this is why my channel is really only for the purists, and maybe most likely going to be underground forever because I don't really mind what I say. <laughs> I thought Porter edged out Spence, so. Um, with the split decision. Mm. But, so I would, yeah, I think that'd be logical to see how Porter fights against um, Crawford, see how he does against Porter. And then that would be the one up. And that's why they also, I believe they want, people are talking about Porter getting a fight again with Spence or Spence saying he might fight Porter as they both thrown out there because um, a lot of people believe Porter won that fight. Mm. So we'll, we'll, no, I'm here. Well, Myron, I'm gonna yeah. say thanks for thanks for being on the show, my man. Before we uh before we end the show off, how can folks catch you on social media? Uh, you, I mean, come to Boxing Logics United on YouTube. Um, 
Boxing Logics United on YouTube, I'm Myron Magnus on Twitter, and Myron Magnus on Instagram. My man, my, hey, Myron, my, we appreciate you. You were like all a boatload of energy, man. I appreciate it, man. I love the box, boxing talk. I'm going to get Thank you on you, again, man. bro. I'm sorry. I know I talk too much. I'm a windbag, though, man, but I love this sport. Hey, man, you keep <laughs> talking, man. Bro, I appreciate you, my man. You already know it. <laughs> it's all great. Fellas, you have a good night tonight, man. All One right. love to you. Same here, man. Stay blessed. All right. Much love to you, too, man. Appreciate you coming on for us. No, thank you. Thank you for having me, champ. All Peace right. and pugilism. All right, man. All right, man. That was Myron Max. Make sure you check him out. Man, Myron's awesome, man. Check out B- Boxing Logic United. All right. Check it out on YouTube. That wasn't just Myron. That was Myron motherfucking Max. <laughs> I loved it, though, bro. I loved it, though, man. You know what we've had? You know what's crazy about we've had this type of, this time? I was waiting on where this go, go in. I knew it, too. I, guess, I ain't editing this joint either, man. That's too much work. I'm putting, I'm making this joint explicit. Like, I'm making this episode explicit. That's just too much work. <laughs> Like we used to have, like Gary Russell, baby. Gary, Gary Russell. Russell uh, Gary remember Russell, we had who, 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 what basketball player was it that was going off? Started cursing too. I want to say, was it Austin Freeman? Was it Austin Freeman that started cursing? We say, go ahead and do it. It was Austin Freeman. Yeah, like I'm, on, I'm on. A, like now, I'm like, yo, after that type of stuff, I'm like, I'm not editing nothing. It's gonna be what it is. I'm gonna make it explicit. I'm a, it's going it's going to say like you know clean or explicit. I'm like this is an explicit podcast. This episode is explicit. No nah, man, we was good though. I loved it. I loved his insight though. He had, he had a lot of insight. I love this energy, man. I love this Real energy. Talk. I love this insight. Mm-hmm. Um, great guest. Um, you know, I, I can't wait till we have him on again. You know, possibly. Oh, we will. Uh, you know, you got another couple of weeks when you have. Um, I think on the 18th you have Triple G fighting, then the 19th you mm-hmm. have Canelo fighting. So, so yeah, definitely. You know, there's definitely an opportunity for him to come back on again. You know it, man. You know it. Um, so make hey, so we're not gonna do our week 14 picks on on air, uh, but you can find our picks on the Football Garbage Time website at www.footballgarbagetime.com. Also subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also tweet us. At Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Make sure you check us out at Sports Journey at SportsJourney.com. Right, well, thank you all for listening to the show. You know, we appreciate it. You've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene. For ages. Yeah, dig. Deuces. Hey, Mega, lead us out, big homie. Deuces.